They were hunting him and Rachel. Yeah, like, that's, that's what he's saying. Yeah, that's what he means. <laughs> yeah, he's not. It's it's not. Oh, don't overthink that. Oh, <laughs> hey, internet, don't overthink Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That's a quote quote from Brandon. Please, everyone, take that to heart. Stop. It's not worth it. Welcome to episode of Center Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here at Center Nation, we spend each month discussing film genres and the tropes and stories within them. On today's episode, we are continuing our month-long journey through movie sequels. So for the past few years, we're, talk- we're talking about modern sequels. And for the past few years, there's been a rise of sequels to movies from decades ago, from Star Wars The Force Awakens to even, most recently, Bad Boys for Life. Uh, but today we're talking about one of the more famous and possibly even infamous sequels of the past few years, and that's Blade Runner 2049. But before we dive into this movie, Thomas, can you give us a recap of the tropes and stories we've kind of talked about when discussing sequels? Yeah, so we talked about kind of overall there being like four different types of sequels. The sequels that are just kind of pushed out to make money. Um, the sequels that are pushed out because the you know the the creative people involved want another film. Yeah. Uh, and then we we've talked about the the two kind of outliers where the 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 studio pushes for a sequel and the creative people take it in another direction. Like we talked about Ocean's Twelve, where it was very obviously what the studio wanted and what Steven Soderbergh wanted were two different things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then we talked about the category that I think Blade Runner 2049 is going to fit into is that the, the studio is on board or is, is talked into making a sequel that on paper doesn't really make financial sense. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think with this one, I think it makes sense because I, I have some issues with how I did it. Um, I think, and this might be jumping ahead, their big issue was that I think they assumed Blade Runner had a much bigger fan base mm. than what it actually had. Just like, just because something is considered a classic, yeah. if you were to put out Citizen Kane 2... Yeah, everyone in the world who's seen Citizen Kane isn't necessarily going to show up to see Citizen Kane too. Yeah, um, just because everyone studies Blade Runner in film school doesn't mean that everyone was dying for a second one. But we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, but we've also just talked about you know the, the tropes aren't exactly as as set. There's a lot of ones you can that can be involved and ones that don't. But we talked about kind of deciding in the beginning if you're going to focus on your protagonist again if you're going to make your protagonist in a more supporting role like the color of money kind of turned the the protagonist he's still the main character but made him into like a mentor yeah um we also talked about the lessons that you're going to learn and if it's a movie that's about internal conflict and internal change you have to decide what the le- what lesson the protagonist is going to learn in this movie and how it differs from the first movie, hopefully, because we talked about it often comes off as very empty if the lesson isn't different. Yeah. And then, of course, if it's just an action movie with uh, external conflict, you don't have to worry about any of that because yeah. they just need to fight a new bad guy. And this what's weird about this one. There, there is both external and internal conflict in Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just so you guys know, because we're going to be spoiling Blade Runner 2049. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. You can probably rent it on Amazon Prime or YouTube, wherever you rent your, your films from. So, yeah, what's weird, what's interesting about this movie when watching it kind of from the beginning, opening scene just feels like it's 
it's of the same world. We've talked about this with Bond a little bit. It's of the same world, but they've definitely, it feels like they've leaned more into the whole action part of the world, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like the first, yeah. the first scene is Gosling. Oh, well, first off, before we delve into all that, what is Blade Runner 2049 about, Thomas? Well, do, can, do we have a minute to go into what Blade, Blade Runner is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah do, do Blade Runner and then do Blade Runner 2049. Okay, um, so Blade Runner is based off of a Philip K. Dick uh, short story called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? And it's about uh, in the future, which was 2020 at that point. Um, or was it 2019? It was 2019, 2019 right? 2019, yeah, yeah. Um, so these robots have been made that are called replicants that are identical to human beings basically you you can't really meet a replicant and tell right away if they're human beings or not and so they kind of infiltrate into humanity and there's a rebellion in space and so they're starting to be deactivated because they've been found to be dangerous and and there's these uh people who are like bounty hunters just for replicants and they're called blade runners yeah and that's what um rick isn't his first name rick uh, it, yeah, it's it's uh it's Rick Deckard, yes. Deckard, yeah, Rick Deckard, played by Harrison Ford, is a Blade Runner, and he's assigned to track down some of these replicants who started a revolution in space and and took a mutant a mutiny and took over a spaceship and landed back on Earth. And while he's trying to track them down and kill them, he himself meets a replicant that belongs to his his employer and falls in love with her. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes: as he falls in love with this woman and also comes to know more about the people that he's hunting. It becomes this whole question of, are these people human? If they are fully intelligent and independent, but just aren't born human, does that mean that they're not, you know, do they not have a soul or they're not human? And, and then there's also this question throughout as to whether or not Deckard is uh, a replicant himself, which various, cuts of the movie that exists which have led in part to its cult status is there's like three different cuts you can see and ridley ridley scott said you need to see all three cuts to figure out the truth and scott has said that deckard is definitely a replicant and harrison ford has said no i don't play him as a replicant i think he's a human and so there's this whole mythology built up around the film that you know in certain circles people were begging for more it yeah. just might not necessarily have been the mainstream circles that people were begging for more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and Blade Runner is to, because some of that might seem confusing. I mean, maybe that not, but like it's confusing for some because it's a very sci fi driven story, the original Blade Runner. And I think, I mean, I texted you during it uh, when I was rewatching it for this, is that it's pretty much just a detective story. Just yeah, set, it's, it's, it's shot noir. like, yeah. It's shot like it's set in L.A. in the 50s, yeah. except everything is holograms Not, and yeah. um, neon lights. But yeah, it, it's yeah, it's very obvious that Scott just wanted to make it a a sci-fi detective film. And the and the and the uh, the movie is all the plot itself is very like noir esque because film noir is known for its almost like overly complicated plots, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And Blade Runner. I love it, but the the pl- the plot really doesn't matter. That it's all about like Deckard and like his journey and his internal struggles and kind of all that. So the plot is kind of confusing just stepping into it. Uh, at least yeah. I feel this way. Um, Especially until until Brandon, you got to see all three cuts, man. Which what cut did you watch last night? 
Which I watched, cut was it? I watched the true cut, the 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 final yeah, the cut. True cut, yeah. I, what's I, what's I, the second one? It wasn't it? It was so it was the theatrical cut and then the director's cut. Director's and then the cut. True cut. Yeah. The, the the final cut is the because the the final cut is the only cut that Ridley Scott had full control over is what it was. Mm-hmm. But like so, but again with yeah. The, so I've I've never seen the theatrical. I don't think. same. I I have it. Uh, I've chosen never to. I've chosen not but to it watch it. It doesn't. It doesn't lean, and it's got voice. That's the one that has. Like, it's got voiceover. Like, yes. style voiceover. Yeah, or yeah, like no. Ford is narrating it as detective, and it, it has a happier ending, I believe. Spoiler uh-huh. alert! It has a happier ending. Um, yeah. So twenty years later, uh, th- th- thirty years later, thirty years later, twenty nineteen <laughs> to twenty forty nine. There we go. Thirty years later, um, replicants have kind of made a comeback in popularity because we were yeah. we we're kind of led to believe in Blade Runner that they're like we're getting rid of replicants. We're not yeah. really doing it anymore. Yeah. Um, but they've made a comeback, and Jared Leto plays this industrialist character who has perfected replicants, and they're never gonna. They're never going to revolt again, and they're under control now. They're used as slaves, basically. These replicants are used as slaves, yeah. And so the main character is Kay, played by Ryan Gosling, who is a replicant and is aware that he is a replicant because the early replicants weren't necessarily always aware that they were. Yeah. Um, But he is aware, and he is a Blade Runner, and so Blade Runners are now replicants tasked with tracking down earlier models of replicants, the less obedient ones, and killing them. And in the process of an investigation, he stumbles onto this trail leading to a replicant uh, insurgents. I don't know, like a, a resistance. Yeah, um, as it gets that leads deeper, him yeah. to that leads him to Deckard, who is still alive and has been hiding out in, in very interesting stylization of Vegas in Vegas, the future, a dusty Vegas. Yeah, basically, in his he at the beginning of the movie, he he hunts down one of these uh replicants and what they it retires is the word they use instead of kills retires these rogue replicants and I, it's it's he the opening scene is him against uh, dave batista my boy dave batista uh and he Batista's kind of like a, a samper morton morton is kind of you're killing your own kind and so it's this idea mm-hmm. of like who you are and, and your identity and as he retires this character, uh, Kay Gosling finds like a trail of a, he ends up finding like a buried box at, by a tree on the property. And it shows essentially the body, the remains of a female replicant. And mm-hmm. when they study it, they find that this replicant had a C-section. So it gave birth. And it's the idea of like, wait, how can replicants give birth? That's not possible. Also, this other thing we didn't mention is that there's replicants have a lifespan is what it was. Is that and play, they had like a four year lifespan. And so that's like, well, how, not just how they, how they live a little bit longer, but how they have a baby and reproduce. And Wallace, uh, Jerry Lowe's character is wanting to kind of like find a way to like make it to where replicants can reproduce. And this is like, everyone's now searching for the answer of how this happened so they can either use it for the resistance or use it as a way for a business type thing where you're trying with, 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 with Wallace, with Leto's character where he's trying to reproduce replicants. Yeah, this is a movie and this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but this is a movie that feels like, and this, this is not negative. It feels like it's wanting to tell a movie in the Blade Runner world 
but doesn't want to do a Blade Runner sequel. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not I, I mean it's ne- not yeah. like, a, you know, it, it is a sequel. I mean, it's it's the question we've talked about before. If yeah. you're doing a sequel uh, 30 years later. How do you do it? Yeah, Harrison Ford's not the same age anymore. How yeah. do you involve, you know, the, the ideal sequel? I mean, not the ideal sequel, but the, the logical sequel would be uh deckard and and rachel on the run that's you know if the studio had come back immediately i mean the you know the post-production was a mess and all the cuts and everything it was obvious the studio wasn't going to make a sequel at that point but if the studio come right back and said ridley it's a huge box office smash give us a second one we want to see what happens to deckard and rachel that's that's what you would do um but yeah the the question now is and we've talked about this with uh color of money we talked about it with train spotting it's you know you have to incorporate this time passage you can't get around it if you want deckard to come back at all you've got to figure out a way to tell a story 30 years in the future so that harrison ford looks 30 years older yeah and it it's the thing we also didn't mention is that blade runner the first one wasn't a box office success like it was deemed a failure and this is when you're looking at like ford is coming off of star wars movies uh it's a year after raiders like he is like one of the biggest movie stars in the world and this movie just like completely underperforms and but even though with that a few years later in the 90s there were talks of trying to make a sequel and it was kind of a long and bumpy road to get towards a sequel because of uh license disputes where different people had different or people certain people had rights to the book the, to philip k dick's novel do android dream of electric sheep and so people kept trying to make it for like almost three like decades almost like trying to make it for a while and then these these uh producers from alcon entertainment came in were able to i think silently buy the rights to reboot the original film um and they wanted to make a big budget blockbuster for Blade Runner. They initially wanted to get Christopher Nolan to direct it. That makes that makes a little too. That's why it's too on the nose. Yeah, I love the movie, but I'm okay. And then Ridley Scott is like, you know what? I'm gonna come back and direct it. Ridley Scott loves loves his IP, man. He, he does. really does. I was just having this talk with somebody the other day about his new series raised by wolves and they were like I, I just really hope really enjoying the first couple episodes i really hope an alien doesn't show up in this and knowing ridley scott i feel like it might so ridley scott comes on direct it and he's like oh, I've, I've long desired to direct a sequel to blade runner and i think they, they 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 bring in one of the original co-writers of the first script to write an idea for blade runner 20 blade runner sequel um scott then drops out because he has to finish making alien covenant um Mm. and so they're like well we have to find a new director and i think i read an interview that asked like oh asked him really oh how did you know or or how did you know that denis Villeneuve uh had the right like qualities to direct he goes oh i didn't like he was just like (laughs) i don't care (laughs) i want to direct it but then this got in the way so we had to find someone else so then we got this guy um and they came up they, they talked with Denis, Denis Villeneuve who would I think had done prisoners with the with Alcon Entertainment and mm. they he talked about how much he loved the movie and he wanted to take over the project and then that's kind of how everything came about and then you know Harrison Ford's in the middle of his like uh career 
period where he's remaking all of the movies he was in or reprising all the roles that he did when he was younger. So you've gotten Star Wars, uh, Indiana oh, Jones. Ha- somebody, somebody out there, give me a witness too. It's all of them. <laughs> Peter Weir, come on, man. Witness two. So what were your what were your overall thoughts when seeing Blade Runner 2049? Uh, I mean, it was it was very it was a very hot movie for a very specific type of film nerd. Yes. It was the second or third collaboration between Denis Villeneuve and Roger Deakins. It was. Third, right? Yeah. Third. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you got Ryan Gosling, who is a like film nerd, uh, like dream boy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or he was at the time. He, it's kind of gone down a little bit. Um, but he was like, it was between him and Jake Gyllenhaal. I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal's kind of stepped it up a little bit the last yeah. couple of years, but it was like Ryan Gosling was like indie film boy. Yeah. They didn't, that's the thing. Gosling doesn't really make big studio films. So this was yeah. a big kind of jump for him at the time. Yeah, and so it was like, oh, man, you got Deacons, you got Villeneuve, who a lot of us have been following since his smaller stuff, and he was this kind yeah. of person who had always said he wanted to do, like, big-picture sci-fi stuff, but mm. but we had Arrival. Um, we had Arrival already, right? Arrival was, was the year before. Arrival yeah, was the year yeah, before. Yeah, so we had Arrival already, and we were like, all right, this is a new chapter in his career. He had done, like, thrillers and, and yeah. smaller stuff beforehand. Uh, yeah, so it was it was hype. Like yeah. there was a lot, lot, lot of hype heading into this. And it was being marketed as a huge studio blockbuster. It was being marketed as, and this, and this is one of my issues with the way it was marketed was that it was being marketed as like a star Wars movie or as a yeah. Marvel movie. Every interview I heard them on, they're like, what's the movie about? Well, we can't really tell you. And mm. Blade Runner doesn't really have that, following it doesn't have that fan base be like we're not going to tell you anything about it but show up and see it that's my yeah, issue because that's you know and that's the that is the ultimate problem with making a sequel to a cult film is like yeah n- you know the the original maybe you're like okay the original trailer for the first blade runner didn't give out any info about the first blade runner either and look how big of a hit it is and, but somebody has to be standing there reminding it wasn't a hit it, it is a cult hit that exactly. means it took years and years and home video yep. and people watching it and discussing it and talking about it for it to be it, you know, it's this kind of thing where it's like in everyone's mind everyone knows blade runner yeah and to some extent and so you go oh yeah that's a really popular movie that must have made money it's like nope no it did not <laughs> so <laughs> so you can't just follow the you can't follow the the you know the, lo- the, way... the lore behind it like the, yeah, the, yeah yeah you can't go like oh people the people who love Blade Runner love how dense and and you know how many secrets there are and how how dense it is to unpack and the philosophy of it so we're gonna lean into that for the release yeah. and you're like no you want to attract a lot more people than the people who just like the yeah. first Blade Runner yeah again like you're saying it, it very it attracted the people like those people are going to see it no matter if you never even put a trailer out yeah if you just said Denis Villeneuve is making another Blade Runner movie and Harrison Ford's going to be in it and that sounds amazing right and Ryan Gosling's gonna be in it people yeah. you got butts in seats yeah but you're the not gonna you have gotta, the butts you got to worry about are the people who aren't gonna go see it on on that alone and the people yeah. who aren't reading all the articles about pre-production and yeah. you know you, the, the general and maybe who, did, who didn't see who didn't see the first movie that's the other thing is it didn't see the mm-hmm. first movie like it has a cult following but it it's 
because it didn't do like it's not like a Rocky Horror Picture Show or whatever, but it didn't do so well like the other Harrison Ford movies. Like it, again, it's like it didn't if it didn't do well at the box office at the beginning. It's so hard to say. You know what? Let's make a hundred eighty million dollar sequel to yep. that movie that made forty million bucks in the eighties. That's a big jump, and I think it's just maybe Warner was because it was Warner Brothers and Alcon who were in Columbus. It was like three different studios. Uh, they wanted to have like the IP of Blade Runner, and they had the great like a great script and a great cast and a great director. Like let's just give them what they want. And Denis was coming again. We're he's coming off Sicario. He's coming off Arrival. He's a critical darling with multiple Oscar nominations. So that they, they're wanting to work with him. Um, but let's just let's dive into like favorite scenes before we keep going on that. We'll we'll bring we'll come we'll bring this back up later. But favorite scenes of this movie. I love the opening. I remember sitting in the Opening's theater great. and being like, "I'm here for this. This is." great it's very understated i mean first off the production design is insane and obviously deacons is shooting it it's gorgeous it's all this like really muddled dark stuff it's all you know the the uh, environment is completely collapsed everything is industrial uh the the physical production design of just like buildings and rooms throughout the movie is amazing the 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 hologram all the the vfx of like holograms and things are incredibly well done but even yeah. from the first scene, it's this very understated dialogue scene between um, Ryan Gosling and Dave Bautista. It turns into this just brutal fist fight. Yeah, and you're like, "Wow, this is gonna this is gonna be different." Yeah, uh, yeah, and and yeah, I think it sets a great tone for the movie. Mm-hmm. It's it get drops you right into the world. You fully get between just the dialogue they're giving. You fully get like, okay, Kay's a Kay's a replicant. Yeah, he he traps tracks down other replicants, and you you get a feeling for him. Yeah, it's great. It's a it's a great establishing scene for to open a film. I think so. Initially, that opening was the opening for Rick Deckard's character in the first Blade Runner. Really, and they decided not to do it, and they went with him eating noodles in yeah. L.A. as the better opening. And so mm-hmm. Denis took that and used it for Kay's opening for this. Oh, movie. that's cool. And it works incredibly well. I agree. And again, like you're saying, I, I, it has the like the fist fight between Batista and Gosling, and it it feels like a it's an it's a more action heavy movie. At least it, it, it says it's it feels like it's gonna be with that opening. Yeah. Not yeah, like Ma- not like Marvel action scenes and car chases or whatever. But like there's gonna be like some brutality to this movie. Yeah, and there's gonna be more. It's because. Yeah, Bla- the first Blade Runner is about investigation, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and there's and, not and, really there's there's the the fight with um with uh is it Daryl Hannah, right? Y- yes. Who's the yeah? Darryl, when Darryl she's Hanna. doing well, there, there's Daryl Hannah, then there then there was another actress. One basically, Ford has like a fight scene with all the four replicants. I'm just thinking like, of all the flips and the cartwheels. Yeah, and that's Daryl Hannah. Yeah. But like he kind of had, but there, it's not like really like he's getting beat up the entire time. It feels like, and all of a sudden he like pulls a gun and shoots them, or someone else pulls a gun and shoots them, mm-hmm. and that's how he wins. Like Gosling's like, "No, nah, I'm gonna beat you myself with my fist." Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a great way to drop you right in and be like, "This is this is what the world is like now. This is what's happening. Here we go." Um, I don't know. You immediately get the feel for for K and what he's about yeah 
and then you get the the twist of like oh this is the the this is the new object um <clears throat> this is the new objective this is what we're after now yeah. this is the new investigation yeah it's an it's a new detective story that's the thing it's a, it's a new mm-hmm. detective story and what's so different is that you don't have the marketing was promoting Harrison Ford as like a big part of this movie and he's not really a big part of this movie. He comes in like an hour and 45 minutes of a two and a half hour movie. But Gosling is the, like the lead detective on the scene. And mm-hmm. he's having to unravel s- this case that's con- somehow connecting to the original film. So what you saw didn't happen. Yes, ma'am. It is my job to keep order. That's what we do here. We keep order. You want it gone? Erase everything. Even the child? All trace. You have anything more to say? I've never retired something that was born before. What's the difference? To be born is to have a soul, I guess. Are you telling me no? I wasn't aware that was an option, madam. Attaboy. Hey, you've been getting on fine without one. What's that, madam? A soul. I love Gosling sings with Ana de Armos as, yeah. as, 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 as Joy. That character is it's it's a little close. So so um, Kay's girlfriend is named Joy, and yeah. she is a holographic AI yeah. that anyone can buy. Like yeah. and, and they all look the same. They all yeah. look like Ana de Armas, and so everyone has a Joy that looks exactly the same as his. But this one is is you know AI specifically his girlfriend, and so it, it's such an interest that's honestly that's my favorite plot thread of the movie um what is, because it, is, it's, it's, is there is there a relationship yeah because it's it's a little her-esque yeah, yeah there's, there's a scene there's a scene when they hire a replicant prostitute to be their yeah. like surrogate which is very much like a scene from her but I, I don't know i just i of all the like questions and all the philosophy of this movie i think the most interesting one is that he's always kind of there's always a piece of him that's like she She'll be like, I love you. I want to be with you. And there's always a piece of him that's like, you're just paid to say that you're an AI and you're my AI girlfriend and you're programmed to say that. But the question is, if he's a replicant and he he has this feeling of emotions and memories and a soul that he's dealing with through the entire movie, who is he to say that she doesn't love him? Like just because she's a hologram and so she's not physical like him, but realistically their brains both run on the same algorithms and the same data. Yeah. You know, he, he's always dealing with these questions of, you know, I, I feel like I am closer to human than she is, but am I closer to her than either of us are to being human? I, I don't know. I think it's fascinating. And there's the very famous scene. I think probably my favorite or at least the most famous shot from this movie is after she's been deleted. Yeah uh he's he's walking and he sees this giant hologram advertisement of a joy and she bends down and like looks at him and doesn't recognize him and he's he's like oh you know have was any of it real kind of yeah you can you can tell on his face and i i don't know i think the questions that raises 
uh, there's so many questions in this movie of like what does it mean to have a soul what does it mean to exist and i think to bring her in and have this extra level of of ai and artificiality that even an artificial person thinks of her as less than and to have him kind of struggling with with that question yeah is my is my favorite theme of the movie was a day huh? it was a day would you read to me it'll make you feel better you hate that book i don't want to read either let's dance do you want to dance or do you want to open your present what present this one was the occasion let's just say it's our anniversary is it no but let's just say that it is okay happy anniversary well he himself is like struggling with the who is he like what like is he a replicant or i mean the big thing that happens in this movie is that he's wondering is he the 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 born replicant from the beginning is kind mm-hmm. of the thing because he that, has he has childhood memories and which he shouldn't have if he's a regular well, replicant well more like well he sh- no he's like with a replicant you can have childhood memories his thing was that he's like oh i know they're fake because like, they're implanted is what it is that's the mm-hmm. whole thing is that repli- that's when when replicants became so advanced and the replicant didn't know if they were real or not is because they had childhood memories or memories of some kind and they they believe they are real and so mm. what k does is that k is like oh no i have memories but i know they're fake but a specific memory he sees a number on the tree when he when he digs up the box on the land the number is a number from one of his childhood memories and now he's like mm-hmm. oh wait does that deal with me in some way and he go it, it replays the memory and it's like a horse that has a date on it, which is the date that's on the tree. And he now believes that, oh, wait, could this be me? He goes to this essentially memory creator and she verifies if it's a real memory or a fake memory. Because if you're implanting memories into replicants, you can't use a real memory. Apparently it's illegal. There's a lot of rules here, guys. I just want you to know. Um, <laughs> but the the Dr. Anna Staline, the character, she verifies that this is a real memory. But she doesn't say if it's his or if it's someone else's is kind of the key. But he is trying to find out, oh, is, am, I the guy, am I the one replicant who was born from another replicant? Am I like the chosen one type thing? And does that make me human? Because the yeah. ultimate question is, what is human and a lot of the the line that within this world the line that a lot of people draw is humans are born and replicants are made so if you're a replicant but you're born are you human yeah so many questions so many questions what other questions are on film on film reddit there thomas like what else has happened with this movie oh man well i mean there's a lot of questions about uh motivation and like k's motivation and is he is he really our main character? <laughs> Some people are like, yeah, yeah, Deckard just shows up an hour and 45 minutes in and it's Deckard's movie. I'm like, I don't think so. Like, yeah. Kay, has a, Kay has an emotional journey here. Yeah, It happens. Um, just because you like Deckard from the first one doesn't mean it's still his movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he does kind of, he does kind of take it over. Like, De- once they get back to 
LA with Deckard, he does kind of take it over a little bit, you know? Well, I, I think, I think Ford's personality takes it over. Mm. I think story wise, I think K is still the person moving the plot forward. I guess you could say like, yeah. like Ford, like Deckard's getting like captured for like the last third act of the film. Yeah. Like, and K is the one going to rescue him. And so like Deckard's not doing that much in terms of like of an active <laughs> protagonist. Um, while K is, K is like having to think about, Oh, like this, this replicant resistance is rising up and they want me to kill Deckard. Um, Wallace, Jerry Lale's character wants me to, wants Deckard to be killed as well because he, it's, if Deckard doesn't give him the answer of how was this replicant baby born, then he has no use for me. He had to hide the secret away so Decker doesn't tell someone else. So like, everyone's trying to kill Decker, and Kay's the one coming in to like rescue him and then fake his own death, is what it is. Um so I wouldn't I would never say that it's Decker's movie because I don't think he's as active as Gosling is in this film. It's just mm-hmm. Ford's persona is so huge and you want it to be his movie, but it's it's just not. No, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, film, film, Reddit, film, film, Twitter. Yeah, it's film bros. Uh, it, it's it's like you have the big scene, which is another thing I like is the whole Deckard's been captured by Wallace mm. and it's the tell me what you know and you can I can bring your your wife, basically your 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 love, the love of your life back. The your replicant, Rachel, who's, who was originally played by Sean Young in the movie, the, the first movie. And it's like, oh, like I can give you what you want. And my favorite, my favorite line, because this is just a very Harrison Ford thing, when she comes to him, it looks just like her, and they have their moment. And she's like, why don't you like want me? Like, why don't we have like like why let's let's have this life together? And for, and Ford just goes, her eyes were green. Like it's just he's so like I don't give a damn is basically what it like it's just what feel it's very Harrison Ford s to me. Like yeah, it's yeah, he's, he's emotional. Like, he's emotional because like oh my god, it's her. But he's also like, I know this isn't her. Like, I know you yeah. can't create every detail. Like, well, and it's it it's you know the way that he thinks about replicants, which which we've seen. You know, this is one thing we've talked about sequels is people not having to learn the same lesson over again. And in the mm-hmm. first movie, he learns to appreciate replicants as yeah equal to human, as as unique as humans, and as independent as humans. And and Wallace doesn't. Even though he Correct. calls them his his children, and he yeah. talks about how he's he's birthed all of them, he still thinks of them as objects. And so, in that moment, Wallace is going, "I can just make you another one." Yeah. And and Deckard is saying, he's he's still you know learned that lesson he he learned in the first one is like, no, this is this is a different person. Yeah. Than my Rachel, she might look exactly the same. You could program her brain exactly the same, but I know that according to independent thought eventually they're going to differ somehow yeah and and you didn't even get the physical part right so i'm yeah. over it i'm yeah. out i'm out We're i'm out i'm out no deal jared no deal <laughs> and for that uh, reason I i'm am out. out no it, it's he it's very much like he sees each replicant at, in a way like as a specific human when wallace sees them all as just like copies of mm. oh i have to get this right oh i'm like it's like the see like he makes one and it's oh it's it's not perfect so I have to keep going when the idea is that with a human and then even with the replicant, I guess is the way is it's the flaws that make it unique. Mm-hmm. You can't keep copying it over and over to get the same thing. Well, and I like in that scene too, if you thought you were coming to this movie to get any answers about the first movie, you don't get a damn you're not going to get them. Cause I love that Wallace drops this 
he, he just makes this reference to Deckard being a, a replicant. He's like, you were programmed to show up to that office and fall in love with her just as much as yeah. she was programmed. And he, like Deckard doesn't even react to it. He's just <laughs> like, like, he doesn't even, like, there's nothing in Ford's face that shows you like, oh, okay, he definitely knows he's a replicant or yeah. he's definitely a human. It's just like, it just rolls off him and you're like, okay, I guess we're not figuring that out in this yeah, movie. Yeah, that, that's that's what's so, why I say it's, it feels like a movie. It's like, it's it wants to be a, a story in the Blade Runner world, but not be a Blade Runner sequel. Because it's just like, we're not going to answer those questions. Well, that, it's, it. It, the thing is, it's not that important to the plot of I this agree, one I because whether or not Decker the 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 you know the the big driving thing of it is Rachel having a child and yeah and so if Deckard was a human and it's a half human half replicant or if it's or if he was a replicant and two replicants were able to reproduce both of those things are still amazing and not supposed to happen so whether or not he is a replicant doesn't really matter to the the big question here the big plot point here these years you looked back on that day drunk on the memory of its perfection how shiny your lips how instant your connection did it never occur to you that's why you were summoned in the first place designed to do nothing short of fall for her right then and there all to make that single perfect specimen. That is, if you were designed love or mathematical precision. Yes. No. The stuff with Gosling and Ford, because they don't I mean they have some scenes together, but they really don't have a lot of scenes together. Like they're in Vegas together for a bit, and then that's when Ford gets captured. You got the the nice casino fight scene. That's well done. The the the, the Elvis fight scene, just great. Uh, just like sound design is great in that scene. By the way, I know mm-hmm. everyone's kind of talks about the visuals of this movie, but the sound design's pretty damn good. Um, and their conversation at the bar where it's like, you want to drink, and they're like discussing kind of i mean it's it's the delving in like why like that part of the plan was for deckert to leave and leave the baby and leave rachel to to save them i guess is the thing he's like everyone had a plan and my plan was to leave um so basically what you kind of find out is that that rachel was having a baby and i guess deckert and them thought that the the way to keep them safe was for them to separate is kind of the idea Mm -hmm. So they're not going to all be caught. You know, that's another thing. A lot of people on on the internet, a lot of the, the fandom of this points to when they start dissecting whether or not Deckard's a replicant, which isn't important. <laughs> um, but they all point to he has this line in that he, he gets like really upset and he's like trying to justify leaving them. And he says, you don't understand. They were hunting us. And everybody's like, oh, he's a replicant. They were hunting replicants. And he's saying us like. Me and Rachel, replicants, and me and you, Kay, you're a replicant. They were they were used to hunt our kind, and it's like no, they were they were hunting him and Rachel. Yeah, like, that's, that's what he's saying. K, yeah, that's what he means. <laughs> yeah, he's not. It's it's not. Oh, don't overthink that. Oh, 
Hey, Internet, don't overthink Blade Runner 2049. Not worth it. That's a quote quote from Brandon. Please, everyone take that to heart. Stop. Let's put that on a T-shirt. Don't go. Hey, as a a little experiment to our audience, when you're done with this episode, go on YouTube and type in Blade Runner 2049 film essay and just Just see how many things pop up. Rachel. What happened to the kid? Who put it in the orphanage? Was it you? It was long gone by then. You didn't even meet your own kid? Why? Because that was the plan. I showed him how to scramble the records. Cover their tracks. Everyone had a part. Mine was to leave. Then the blackout came, paved over everything. Couldn't have found the child if I tried. Did you want to? Not really. Why not? Because we were being hunted. I didn't want our child found, taken apart, dissected. Sometimes to love someone, you gotta be a stranger. What other favorite scenes do you have uh, in the movie? I mean, the fight, the fighting in the rain at the end, the big, the big, oh yeah, fight scene. Great, yeah, is, yeah, is is great. I mean, the, that's the thing is, you you know, you said this movie was marketed as a big action movie, and it doesn't necessarily deliver, but the. You know, it does deliver. It has moments a, of it, yeah. Yeah, for a like big think piece about humanity, it does deliver some very good fight scenes. I, re- I remember coming out of this movie, a lot of the the buzz, a lot of the hype was about the character Love, who's kind of the yeah. the henchman villain. She's the one who doing the dirty work at the time. Yeah, of Wallace. And she yeah, yeah. she is yeah. She's a very interesting like she's almost like a Bond henchman in, in that way. It's like yes. this unstoppable force that's just always pursuing and. And and seems very indomitable, especially given the nature of Wallace as being this like very kind of soft spoken genius who works in the in the background. He's got his like muscle who's not afraid to just kill anybody in a in a heartbeat. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, uh, Jared Leto playing this like Jesus like figure. I don't know how I feel about it. I'll come back. I'll come back to that. <laughs> I, later. I remember when the trailer came out, all the comments were like, "This looks great," except uh, Jared Leto. <laughs> and maybe it's because it's the persona that he's built up if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. after suicide squad i'm just like really like like dallas buyers club i I, it felt like a lot maybe i'm just maybe i'm wrong with this but it felt like a lot of people were like in on jared leto but then because i was just talking about this recently a lot of everyone was out on jared leto like he had he had built this reputation of being like so method it's annoying especially with that mark david chapman movie he did yeah chapter 27 or whatever it was yeah, when gained he like, so gained much all that weight to do, Mark David Chapman, everybody everybody in the trades was just like eye-rolling. Like all the articles are just like, oh, here goes Jared Leto again. Yeah. And um, it was uh, Dallas Buyers Club that made everybody go, oh, let's put Jared Leto in everything again. Yeah. And, and they all kind of forgot that Oscar made everyone forget why they disliked him in the first place, I yeah. think. And it feels like it was with Suicide Squad, and then this, it was like, oh, do we need like more Jared Leto? And I'll discuss <laughs> it. I, 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 I don't, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm fine with Leto in this movie. It's more of a question of 
compared to the first Blade Runner, like there's no Rutger Hauer in this movie is what it is. Yeah. Like yeah. there's, there's no, no really compelling villain. No. And that's like, I mean, that's, that is honestly probably the most famous part of the original Blade Runner is this, um, tears and rain speech at the end you know when you you finally realize that that this man is equal to any human as far as you know emotion and depth and soul and yeah appreciation of the world and and, and any, any other movie he's the hero that's the thing is yeah. in your movie you're following this guy who's wanting to be human and is being chased down by like a detective who's trying to not to like kill him like mm-hmm. he's the yeah, hero and that's of what the story. that monologue gives you as you go oh my gosh yeah this 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 guy has, has been in the right the whole time yeah um yeah and that's that's easily the most famous thing to endure from that movie and yeah you're right i don't think anything in the and and you know we don't necessarily want sequels to copy the originals but yeah you don't it, this movie is missing a compelling villain for sure yeah it's the it's taking the the idea of the human aspect that 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 uh rutger hauer is like doing in blade runner and putting it kind of in Kay's camp, if that makes sense. Like, it's yeah. like that's Kay's struggle. So you're not yeah. getting the flip side of it, if that makes sense. Because he, they basically have made Kay both Deckard and uh, Rutger Hauer and put them together as one character is what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great idea from the start to look at the original and look at what it gave you and for your sequel you know the first thing you write down on a notepad is a blade runner who's a replicant Mm -hmm. like that's 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 your starting point um and that yeah i think that's and and who knows he's a replicant yeah (laughs) but yeah i think that's a great jumping off point to make a sequel and to take the themes from the first one and the ideas from the first one and the characters from the first one and and dive into them even deeper that that is a great spot to start from okay another thing i want to bring up uh or just another act actor slash actress that i liked in this film mackenzie davis mm-hmm. the scenes that she has with gosling not a lot only in the like three scene three or four scenes but the scene when they're at the uh i guess when when she's they're told to go like go up to k and like try to seduce him like in the like kind of restaurant area or whatever oh you don't even smile Didn't you hear your friends? Don't you know what I am? Yeah. Guy eating rice. What's that? It's a tree. Oh. Never seen a tree before. It's pretty. It's dead. Now, who keeps a dead tree? You're not going to kill me, are you? Depends. What's your model number? Why don't you look under my eye and find out? Oh. You don't like girl girls. Well, I'm always here. I'd say, like, well, so I mainly shot in Budapest. And they had a back lot, so they shot a lot of the... uh, uh, like the Las Vegas scenes or Las Vegas casino set scenes were like Budapest Stock Exchange uh, there. Uh, apparently, they uh, frequently fell behind schedule when making the movie. And they had to to get Gosling out because he had an obligation to do a press junket for La La Land at one point. Um, 
I do think Ford had a lot more fun on this movie though, probably because he wasn't <laughs> in it that much. Yeah. Uh, cause apparently he had like a, he, him and like, there was a lot of stuff that went on on the Blade Runner set. It seems like, and that Ford and Scott allegedly didn't get along. Um, and that even the crew kind of revolted against Ridley Scott at one point, like, uh, like they wore t-shirts. It was actually called like a t-shirt war or it was like, Gov- uh, governor, you can kiss my ass or whatever to like a uh, governor. You can kiss my ass is what they were saying. Um, so it was a lot better. Uh, Deacons. Uh, one thing that, that this is just a very Roger Deacons move um, is that he, he, he shot the movie with the single camera setup. So he only used one camera. Uh, he rejected wow. the line producers request to do a nine unit camera setup. Because he believed that he believed technique would he said believes he said the technique would yield sloppy camera work. He thought that having multiple cameras this is the whole debate with camera people, by the way, and, and film industry is like, do you use one camera or like multicams? And Deacons is like, I'm using one camera because I want to control every single shot I do. And, he and does. not have limitations. He does, and this is why I want an it's, Oscar. It's a gorgeous movie. This is like this definitely this feels like i mean this this is like lebron james going to miami heat it feels like like deacons is like going going to like you know what i'm gonna get i'm gonna i'm a ringer i'm gonna win i'm gonna win like an oscar for this how do i do it i'm gonna get a big budget film that's blade room which is one of the most beautiful films of all time and i'm gonna say i can do it better and i'm a partner with Denis Denis Villeneuve, who's like being a, a favorite in like the critical world it's like, you know what? There's a lot of movies out there with cinematography. I'm doing this with extra cinematography. <laughs> I'm giving it 110%. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. But it just feels like he's just like, you know what? Like I'm going, I'm putting all my money into this basket. I'm not saying that's mm-hmm. what he did, but it just felt like, man. Well, he, it, it felt like time too. You know, it was yeah. one of those things that was, you the, know. Uh, this is DiCaprio doing The Revenant right now. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sicario got passed over. That was a big deal when that happened. And everyone was just like, Deacons, you got to give it to Deacons. And But I, I do think it's one of those things where when we look back, you know, so there's some of those Oscars that you're like, oh, that was a that was an achievement award. But this one is, he knew it was his time. And yeah. he was like, I'm going to earn this. <laughs> Well, because at this point, this is another thing with, I guess, with the Oscars and things like this was that usually at this point in time is that if you win best visual effects, you'll win best cinematography. There's a weird kind of uh, uh, companionship to it of like Life of Pi wins best visual effects, wins best cinematography. So the, the, there's a blurred line of what is cinematography and what is visual effects. And so Deacon's like, well, I haven't done a lot of visual effects movies screw it let's go all in on blade runner and just do like heavy like you don't know if it's visual effects or it's my job so you're gonna have to give me the oscar yeah i do when we were talking favorite scenes the i mean the all of the vfx in this movie are incredible but the sequence that i was talking about before the her sequence where they bring in mckenzie davis to be there amazing um yeah there's this this whole thing where Ana de Armas's Joy character as a hologram like morphs over Mackenzie Davis, and it's just constantly you. You think when you get into it, they've got a moment where their hands line up, and you think like, okay, it's just gonna look just like gonna her. morph into one. But they never, they're never in sync. It's just constantly a couple of seconds off. Mackenzie Davis will look up, and 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 Ana de Armas will look down, and it's and it puts you into Kay's head is like, I don't think I can do this. This is weird. Yeah, this is not what I what I wanted. 
Like um, their eyes will merge and then unmerge together. Yeah, it's, it's, we- it's, it's so wild. Yeah. The, the, the VFX of it all are just incredible. Yeah. I, I thought it was amazing. Um, uh, Awards and Aftermath, we kind of talked about uh, the uh, the movie re- received five Oscar nominations. It won two, one for visual effects and one for Deacon's best cinematography. And then he won two years in a row, right? Like then he mm-hmm. won uh, for 19 or he won, he won later for 1917. It wasn't two years. Yeah, it was row. two years later. Two yeah. years later, but he won for 1917. Um, the, the film, how much do you think that, that this film made in the U.S.? It was bad. I remember it. I remember watching it watching the numbers come in and being like wow well you we went opening weekend because yeah. you and i went together yeah. because my the big thing we didn't really talk about some favorite scenes but like there's a moment when you find out oh gosling is not the chosen one but he assumed it was and i and thomas was sitting next to me and just started doing fist bumps or fist pumps in the air of like yes he's not <laughs> the guy because we you and i had this big conversation well i guess we can talk about it now a little bit and this is what Star Wars uh, Rise of Skywalker uh, did that we don't like is that we were having the debate of, hey, let's not have every character connected to every like, let's not have yeah. Ryan Gosling be the son of Harrison Ford. Let's not yeah. have everything connect to each thing. Yeah, like, I mean, that's a that's a sequel trope we haven't really brought up. And that, that yeah. applies more to now that we're doing these extended universes and all this stuff. Yeah. But like everyone you meet has to be involved in the storyline. And and the idea is, I just want to see, especially if you're expanding a world, like give me someone completely, give me, give me the world, like give me someone completely not tied to anything yeah. here. And that's what I was kind of hoping for with Ryan Gosling. And they, and they give you that. I mean, he does have a small tie and that's what loops him into the whole plot. And I, I think that's fine. Like, you yeah. know, the, the, the memories, uh, I don't know how much we're spoiling here, but the, the the person who gave him that memory kind of sets him down this this road and uh, hey if if they're on, if they're this far in this this episode they should have listened they should have watched the movie I'm sorry all right here you go the person who was writing <laughs> Ryan Gosling's memories was Deckard's daughter yeah um but yeah and and, so, and 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 you know it feels kind of, you're watching this movie and I, I liked that journey of like am I the chosen one am I someone special and in the end. I think he kind of the, the answer in the end and, and you know the a lot of people think that this the ending of this movie is as ambiguous as the original and I don't think so I, I, I felt fine in the end knowing that, that Kay knew that his actions his personal choice the choices that he made the the actions that he took the adventure he went on made him a hero made him independent made him a good person even if he wasn't the chosen one. And he has a soul. That's the whole thing. Yeah, is that in exactly. the end, he has a soul. Is that he saves Deckard and sets it up to where he will never be bothered. And to kind of have that, he creates that father-daughter moment that they never had. That Deckard's mm-hmm. always thought about. And the daughter has all, has also like just been stuck in this like chamber, creating memories for other people. And she had and had a horrible life before she got there and he's created that moment and he's probably just going to die knowing that is the thing mm-hmm. um and it's that if you i mean the thing is that if you can if you're born like if you're dying are is that not considered can that not make you human and that's what it's happening at the end of the movie all right back it up because you're about to you're about to give me box office numbers and we got we got sorry off on this box office chosen numbers. One thread 
But yeah, we I'm, saw. I yeah. am Ray Skywalker. No, okay, let's skip. <laughs> let's go. Let's keep going. <laughs> Sorry for this and see Rise Skywalker. Um, so we saw it opening weekend, and I, I mean, I didn't think it would do huge numbers, but I remember thinking, oh wow, that really underperformed. Yeah, like big. And it was time. good. Like the thing, it got yeah. huge. It got. It was sitting at like mid nineties on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics yeah. were loving it huge hype but yeah the, the i mean the big question was if you're someone who's looking at the movies that came out this week yeah and you see oh the second blade runner is out i've never seen the first one or i haven't seen the first one for 20 years yeah the fact of the matter is you're probably not gonna go see the second one they predicted expectations were 45 to 50 million dollars for opening weekend it did not get that it got 31 million opening weekend. Ugh. Uh in the US, it only grossed 92 million in the US and Canada. Worldwide, it made 260 million is what it was. But when the budget is reported, production budget is reported 185 million, marketing's probably maybe double that or i don't know if that's mm-hmm. included but it's a huge amount and they're like that's a no it's 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 always safe to take a production number double it and add a little bit more and that's how much the studio spent on that so yeah it didn't make any money it was a big disappointment didn't didn't even pass the 100 million dollar mark in america I which is a big deal. honestly thought when these numbers started coming in i thought dune they're gonna pull the plug on dune dune yeah because the they had already announced that Denis Villeneuve was his next project was going to be a two film adaptation of the Dune novels, which uh, historically have been very hard to film. There was a, an attempt that failed. And then uh, David Lynch's version is considered the worst David Lynch movie that he's ever made. Um, and it was a huge flop as well. And so there's, it's, it's just another, there's even less reason for a studio <laughs> to put money into a Dune movie than there is, for a second Blade Runner movie, yeah, and I just I thought I thought that movie's dead in the water, but hey, now we're we're, we're all, we've got yeah we've got it coming, uh, and we'll see we'll see what happens in the pandemic with it. Um, moving on, so we've covered a little bit of this, uh, but what worked about this movie? The visuals, yeah, one hundred percent special effects, this is- cinematography, production design, costume yeah. design. Yeah, this is one of those, if you're if you're an aesthetics person, even if you're not super into like this storyline, you got you have to see this for the visuals. But I mean, that's not a selling point in the box office. I'm sorry. But, <laughs> um, the cast is great. I I did not know Ana de Armas's name at the time oh, no, going she, into this. Yeah, same. And and she's she's great in it. I knew Mackenzie Davis. Um, but like I was I was really excited to see the people that they did bring out for this. Yeah. Um. I mean, we di- we didn't mention, but Robin Wright is in it yeah. as Kay's boss, and she's she's great in it as well. And just to yeah. get to to get Harrison Ford back, just to get Harrison Ford back is is a huge feat. Yeah. Knowing his his demeanor and his feelings about sequels, sometimes uh, I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> if you, all right, I, I recommend if you really like if you enjoy awkward humor like I do, one of my favorite things in the world <laughs> is the Entertainment Weekly interview. With Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig in prep for Cowboys vs. Aliens. Aliens. Because they're both notoriously like yeah. not good at publicity. <laughs> and there's this part where Daniel Craig had just gotten married to Rachel Weiss. Uh-huh. And the reporter keeps pushing Daniel Craig on his wedding. 
and he was like i don't we, we didn't we didn't have a public wedding i don't want to talk about my wedding i'm here to talk about cowboys versus aliens and the reporter just keeps pushing on it and harrison ford is like listen man he doesn't want to talk about his wedding and they ended up having to bring john favreau over it's not clear in the article if the reporter asked for john favreau to come over or if he was like he, if he was like circling, knowing that this could go bad, but like John Favreau ends up butting in and basically finishing the interview because both of these guys have just like shut down. And they're like, I'm not talking to you anymore. I don't like you. Harrison Ford's just as a character in himself. What worked? Uh, as a cast, special effects. I mean, Denis Villeneuve's direction, I mean, is amazing. And I mean, as much as as much as, we, as we've talked about why this movie shouldn't exist from a studio standpoint, I do want to make clear that I, from a storytelling standpoint, I do think this is an excellent 30 years later sequel. Oh, no, this, it is. Is the, this is the way to do a sequel 30 years later. You, you got to make it kind of tangential. It's not what's Deckard doing 30 years later. It's what is yeah. this world like 30 years exactly. later? Yes, Deckard is still involved, but it makes sense for him to be involved, especially yeah. if he has become this kind of cult icon within this world. It's like the man who ran away with a replicant and maybe yeah. had a kid. Yeah. It makes sense for him to still be around. So what didn't work? The the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't that's, know. I honestly that's, that's don't all, know. That's, by the way, that's also one of the things I had on my thing was what didn't work. <laughs> the marketing. I don't know. Like the and, and that brings up the question: Is is it the marketing or is it the studio's fault for you know giving this the green light in the first place? And I don't know. I don't yeah. know the answer to that. I don't know that there is any way to do a financially successful blade runner sequel i mean um, unless you make like a, a like a mid-budget blade yeah, runner movie which is hard to you do can't, no it's i mean even the first the first blade runner part a huge part of the cult status of it and not even a cult status like the reason that the people study it in film school is because it was so cutting edge visually so yeah. you have to keep that legacy going yeah you can't you can't drop that that's that's as much of the identity of the first one as the plot is you know we were we kept we talked about deacons and the design and everything but that's that's nothing new that that's a that's a that's a holdover from the first one for sure uh what else yeah i I just i think the studio overestimated the need and want for a sequel in terms of like the financial thing again i said they kept everything secret and treated the film like it was a marvel or star wars movie and it wasn't what it should have been was about hey how can we reintroduce the Blade Runner world to people who, or introduce or reintroduce the Blade Runner world to people uh, around the world? Like for people who haven't seen Blade Runner, how do we get them? Uh, if they have, how do we get them as well? And this kind of, no, 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 mm. we're just going to assume everyone knows about the world of Blade Runner. And that's why I think they messed up that. Um, also the last thing, but did, did not, did anything not work? And we mentioned it, but the lack of a true villain kind of, bothered me this time mm-hmm. where we never really got the the b side of everything we got a few like like a few scenes of leto as wallace but not a lot love was a good henchman but not a good like true villain so i i and maybe that's more of a true like hollywood approach to have like a villain of that kind but it i i thought we needed some sort of thing to cut to to go back to mm-hmm um, and speaking of that, Octane Universe cast, the role for Wallace, Denis Villeneuve initially wanted David Bowie. Oh, I could see that. But Davey, David David Bowie David Bowie passed away before filming began. And they went, and he said, "Who's another guy who has like a rock star persona? Jared Leto." 
that's that's true um film facts so well speaking of leto uh of course he wore like contacts that made him blind uh on set so he had to be like kind of like led around the set because he couldn't see um sean young who played rachel in the original movie was brought back not to act but to coach her double that played her younger self so the moment when they bring rachel in to like see deckert they used her and it looks great by the way they used her old footage uh to to comp- composite it with a, a, a younger actress and Sean Young was brought in to, to coach the actress on how to do her mannerisms. And they, I also brought in another person to do the voice of the character who is a Sean Young. I don't say Sean Young person, but who can mimic <laughs> Sean Young's voice. Um, hmm. And they kept that's not, it. That's not necessarily something you can make a lot of money off of being no, a Sean Young, a Sean Young impersonator. Uh, they apparently, uh, they, again, they kept it secret to a point that Shang Young always said or kept saying that she was not asked to come back on the movie and even asked fans to write a petition to get her in the movie. That was all part of a ploy to surprise people that she was going to be in it. Again, I don't think people cared enough, personally. Um, <laughs> That's like, funny because so, yeah. I, I, I had not heard the second part. I remember before the movie her being like really mad that she hadn't been invited back. And then I remember in the movie when they're like yeah this is probably probably rachel's body that we found i was like okay well that's weird that she would like want to come back but i I didn't i didn't i did not i never heard the prestige of it of that of that trick was that she was involved the whole time it was like they shot it with like a small crew because they didn't want to leak that she was in it and i was like i don't think people care (laughs) this like i mean it's like oh great she's back in it that's phenomenal but like that's not going to, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I just don't think that would surprise Somebody I mean, does care, Brandon. Someone does care. That's fair. Fine. Whatever. Moving on. Um, but not, not $240 million worth of people, worth care. people. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the film, uh, it, I don't know if it ended up making a profit, but the film made some of its production budget back because of the home video market. Um, it overperformed in home video sales, making close to three hundred million dollars in sales. A rare, really? a rare feat for a box office failure in the modern age. It was like top three, like like movies bought that year, and that's like a rare thing to see. Certain movies, hmm. I'll say this: working at a video store, certain movies do horribly at the box office but would do incredibly well at our video store. Don't know why. For example, Moonlight did not rent that well at our video store, but you know what did? Allied with Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard. Was on new release wall for like three months. The guy who worked there was just like, I really want to take it down, but it keeps getting rented. But like Moonlight, no one was renting. Granted, it's LA, so I feel like everyone had already seen Moonlight in theaters Mm -hmm. or through screeners, and no one had seen Allied before. Yeah, no one had an Allied screener, (laughs) so they had to go around. Um, but yeah, it was a big success. Um, story questions. Did you have any story questions besides is Rick Deckard a replicant? I think we, I think we already touched on that pretty well. <laughs> we did. Uh, does K die at the end of the movie? I think so. I think, I think dies. so too. I think he dies too. And he goes somewhere. He's uploaded somewhere on the internet to be with joy. Oh man, that's what it is. Man, someone go write some fanfic for Joy and uh and Kay. Also, his name's Joe. That's the funny thing. Deckard keeps calling him Joe. Like even like a serious scene's Joe. 
because he said he says in the in the scene like what's your name k or or, or or what's your oh like nexus whatever he goes no no that's not a name what's your it's a very star wars force awakens thing no what's your <laughs> name joe and like and rick deckard keeps calling him joe for the rest of the movie um did you have any other questions that you want to ask uh, you know I, we, I think we touched on a lot of the the philosophical questions already okay um awards the beatrice Strait award for actor actress with limited scenes that kills it this this one might i'm really taking the limited scene thing i'm taking it to as limited as possible i was i remember sitting there and being extremely impressed by dave patista's performance in his one scene in this movie yeah I'm, I'm giving it to Dave Bautista because we, I had only seen him as Drax up to this point. And probably and Spectre and Spectre, I think. Spectre, yeah. He, he doesn't, but he, he has, really no, has, he has no lines. Line. He's, actually, he's a henchman inspector. Yeah. And, and so I knew him for that like dry, very, very like dry, matter of fact delivery that is that he and, and James Gunn collaborate with very well to make Drax a very good character. We've seen him now, we're a little bit later on, we've seen him try and do that kind of humorous, dry delivery in other movies, and, and we've, we've all kind of failed, to be honest. But what he brings to this very s- small scene, I, I remember seeing him in the trailer and being like, I, I don't know, I don't know how he's going to work in this in this movie. And he brings so much to that character in just like two minutes of dialogue. Yeah, I or you, I, I witness a miracle is like what he says. Yeah, yeah like, you yeah. you you don't. We're we're different. Like I have a soul because I've I've witnessed a miracle. And, yeah. And he's 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 got this just weariness and he's sad, but he's still a Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> here's here's he, the thing. Keep, 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 sorry, keep going. Yeah. No, I just know that you could like you know he could kill k at any second but he just doesn't want he's just tired of it he's tired of running he's tired of pretending to be something he's not and yeah he i think he absolutely kills this scene so batista it's so it's very it, you and i are very different like uh uh experiences with with dave batista me yeah, being a wrestling I've not fan seen him as, a, as a wrestler i've never no, experienced no, no, him as I, a wrestler. I, I mean i see him as an actor that's but i'm saying like if you would have told me a decade ago you know who's gonna be a really great character actor in movies Dave Batista, I was like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> I never would have thought that I would see that. Cause here's what I like. This is what I think with Batista, what he does. Like he's he's getting in like Stuber and some of these, like he's where he's the lead person. And I really think Dave is really good as like a character actor. Like if mm. he played, if he did like like I agree with you, I didn't expect for him to give such a nuanced performance, a very like contained performance like he does in this movie. And I'm like, damn, I want to see more of that. And I get a little weary when I see him doing like, and he's good at comedy, but where he's like the lead person in comedy. Mm. I said about John Cena as well to go with another wrestler actor. I, I feel like Cena is a guy where I don't really want him in the lead, but he could be a really good, either comedic character actor, or maybe you can find him in a, maybe you can find a way to give him a small nuanced role. I don't know if he has that range. I'd be interested to see. I agree with you. I was shocked. I was surprised at how good Dave Batista was in this role. I was careful not to drag in any dirt. I don't mind the dirt. I do mind an announced visit. You police. Are you Sapper Morton? Civic number NK68514. I'm a farmer. 
I saw that. What do you find? It's a protein farm. Wallace Design. Is that what I smell? Grow that just for me. Garlic. Garlic. Go on, Tarso. No, thank you. I prefer to keep an empty stomach until the hard part of the day is done. The Annie Potts X Factor Awards supporting actor actress that is the most memorable. I'm going, you might have guessed this from my earlier rant about my favorite plot thread of this movie, yeah. but I'm going on a day armis. I, I walked out of this movie going. Who is that, that person? That was the per yeah, that yeah. was the person I was like. I agree. And I mean, maybe I connected, I, I love her. And a, a lot of people were like, oh, that, that whole plot thread is just a her knockoff. But I think it takes the idea of her and takes it a step further, which was very yeah. interesting to me. Well, because it, cause it so has the idea of like him being a replicant, her being an AI. Mm-hmm. Not the one being a human and and, uh, and the whole kind of thing with her is, is is our connection to technology and artificial intelligence and and all that. I feel like and how human connection is more important. This this storyline is asking what makes you human is the thing. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. Yeah, but she's she's really good in this and her character is is really well done I, and i love the questions that are raised in that story but but she handles it all so well with this kind of like innocence like she's she's in love with Kay and she wants to explore the world and she truly wants to be human and even though he thinks that she is much further from being human than he is uh but yeah this this was something i came out of this movie and that was you know when you see sometimes when you see a big movie like this and there's a lot of people in it you you come out and you're, you're just like on fixated on one person and mine was like who is she what's she gonna do with her career where's this, where's it going and it's it's been great you know I, I, she killed it and knives out yeah. she was awesome in that and I'm, I'm excited for the rest of her career but but yeah that's that's my x factor for this movie that, that was the person i came out of it and i, I mean and maybe it's because she was a newcomer yeah. Uh, you know, I, I knew what to expect out of Gosling. I, I, I knew what to expect out of Ford going into that. And so maybe she gets some she got a, a leg up because it was a brand new performance for me. But yeah, I think I think she she kind of st she steals all the scenes that she's in for sure. Well, you know, and I don't know if you experience it sometimes it's like when you see an actor or actress who's so good in a movie that you've never seen before and you have this worry in the back of your mind, like, oh, is that the only thing we'll see them in? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. are they gonna be are they gonna be typecast? Is this the only thing we're gonna see them in? And that was I was like, man, I hope we see more of her because I I've never seen her before, and and I was worried we wouldn't see her again. And we didn't. I didn't see her again until Knives Out, really. Um, and then I was like very surprised and happy that like she's the she's the center of that movie. She is the main character. Mm -hmm. I'm coming with you, but not like this. If they come here looking for you, they'll have access to all my memories. You have to delete me from the console. My present. Put me there. I can't do that. Think about it. If anything happens to this, that's it. You're gone. Yes. Like a real girl.
myself. And then now, the final award, the Gene Hackman MVP award, the person who carries the movie through the, or to the finish line. This is tough. This is a tough one. I've it been is. thinking about it you, a lot. You can go with a couple people here. That's the thing. I, I think it's Villeneuve. Okay. I think I'm giving it to him. I thought about Deacons. I thought about Gosling. Yeah. Just just getting it made in general, you know, getting it done. Yeah. And, and you know, you can give, you know, there's there's this, the collaboration with Deacons. I mean, that's the thing with a director is he's 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 got his fingers in, in everything. And so and when you think about Gosling's performance being great, and when you think about Deacons' visuals being great, but then you also think about the, the practical effects that are fantastic in this, the design, the visual effects, it, it all comes back in, in some way to him. Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, this is the thing about directing is that if it all goes well, you're the person they they praise. If it all goes poorly, you're the person they blame. Yeah, and that's that's what I think the reason that Dune is still happening is because box office or not, you can still watch this movie and see something special happening in the creation of it. Because I think if you can approach Dune as like, yo... This is the first movie of Dune <laughs> and like not trying to like tie it back to like other stuff that's happened. If you try to reintroduce or reintroduce oh, it is Warner Brothers, uh, if you can reintroduce the world or introduce the world to this universe and these stories, you're going to have a better chance. But mm. the worry is like you don't want to be like a John Carter. That's the thing. Yeah. But you have a great cast. Dave Bautista also in the movie, by the way um but you guys everybody's in that cast it's it's a it's a it was a meme on reddit for a while because it it, and it was like this like two month period where like every day it was like this person just joined the cast of dune and so it became this like running meme on reddit to be like just announced my cat joins the cast of dune (laughs) (laughs) yeah you got got timothy chalamet rebecca ferguson oscar isaac josh brolin stellan skarsgård dave batista zendaya charlotte rampling jason momoa javier bardem like it's a it's a cast but uh, but yeah, I agree. I think it's Denis. I think this movie does not happen, and box office or no box office doesn't have a memorable, um, isn't memorable in any way. Like, I mean, you could be like, I mean, what you don't want to happen with Blade Runner twenty forty nine is that it's both a box office failure and unmemorable, and it's considered a terrible sequel. By mm. many, I do think this will gain some sort of following over time and will continue to be reassessed, maybe to a point where it is too much reassessment, um, to a point where it's heralded as a, a masterpiece and superior to the original superior to the original. I don't think that. But I do think it is like it is worth is is near the same level as the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's the question too. Which one do you think is better, first or second? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think they're very different. Like we talked about, one's a detective story, the other's a sci-fi action film. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, they, I, I appreciate them both for different reasons. Yeah, I, I, I rewatched the original. I've, I mean, I've seen it several times. I, it's not one that I always think of like rewatching. I, I do think this one is a little bit more rewatchable, maybe because of the action sequences. Okay uh it, the length is is a little bit of an issue for me i do think when when we were talking about doing anything not work it could have used a little bit of trimming i think um but that's also villeneuve's style is to just kind of let things sit 
There's also a four-hour cut, by the way, that they're like, man, this would be really good to show, but like, it's they wanted to do it as two separate movies at one point, and they're like, it's like, oh, like the first part's a different movie than the second part. We should release, and they're like, yeah, let's not. And Denise <laughs> like, Denise like, I'll never show any because like, are you gonna release a cut like like a true director's cut like Ridley Scott? And he goes, no one's gonna see that four-hour cut. Like, um, that's just gonna be for me. But yeah, I think they they both bring something different to the table. While also keeping the spirit alive, which is, I think, the best yeah. you can ask for in a sequel. Yeah. So I, I can under I can understand if someone came to me and said, "I think twenty forty nine is better than the original." I don't yeah. think so. The original is a little bit more up my alley. I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit more into the idea of a, of a sci fi noir than like a hard sci fi action. Uh, I'm not really a hard sci-fi kind of person. And I, and I don't know if I'd call this a sci-fi action, but I, I just call it a sci-fi think piece. Like, it's just a very much like... But it is hard, it, it's hard sci-fi for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's hard sci-fi. I would say it's... I would agree it's it's probably a harder sci-fi than the first one. The first one is still playing off that 80s sci-fi of, like, cool, like, retro, retro futuristic sets. I don't really feel that this movie leans into that retroness that the first one does. That's one thing I didn't bring up earlier. Um, it definitely is like it builds on it, but I like the thing about the eight with Blade Runner, the first one, there's a mixture of like 1950s and 60s culture thrown in there with a little bit of 80s culture, but with a little bit of like what the future will hold. And Blade Runner 2049, outside of maybe the Vegas scenes, feels like this is all futuristic, nothing retro about this. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. When watch yeah. when we watching Blade Runner, it's like there's kind of this like little fifties eighties quality to it, and this one doesn't yeah. have that. No, I was I was thinking about that specifically in the scene where Rachel shows back up and her hair is a very like forties fifties style. Yeah, and I was like, no, no one in in twenty forty nine, no one has. Everyone's just got fairly normal hairstyles. Yeah, there, um, there's nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, and the clothing is very like there's some clothing that's very like. Uh, like Mackenzie Davis and all it's very futuristic, but I don't think it ever reaches. I'm not saying this is a bad thing, but it's just, it's very different, but I do kind of wish I saw a little bit in certain ele- certain areas. There's a little bit more retroness to it. Maybe because it's such a huge time gap is why like, Oh, you could argue that that fashion and everything is aged out, but because that was of a different world to begin with, you could have maybe played with that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's a Denis Villeneuve movie is the thing. I don't see Denis, Denis being like, let's make this a little bit like 1950s. Yeah. Like yeah. like pop. But you do have the moments of like Elvis Presley, the Elvis Presley scene when they're fighting or when he's listening to Frank Sinatra. I do feel like the Las Vegas sequence is kind of like of a different time, basically. And mm-hmm. that's lost in that time from when the sandstorm happened and, every, and the radioactive and everyone left. Um, okay, final questions. Um, we'll see what, what happens. If this film was made in the 1990s, like say 10 to 20 years after the first Blade Runner, or even early 2000s, who do you cast? Oh, man. Harrison, uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, yeah. I don't know. If it's if it's early 2000s, I think you get Leo in this movie. Okay, um, okay. If it's late 90s, I think you get Brad Pitt in this movie. But that that feels like the equivalent of of Gosling in their time, you know the like yeah. the heartthrob who also, who has made it very clear they want to do. Man, you get like a, something a, different. Yeah, I mean, he'd it, be younger, but like like Pitts for like killing them softly type character. Yeah, in Blade Runner twenty four. Yeah, it's not what you think of a Pitt normally, but it, yeah, 
but I, I still think he's capable of that performance. Yeah. Um, and then I guess you gotta get David Bowie. Like I love the idea of David Bowie as as Wallace. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. <laughs> Um, and, then, and then who do you get for Batista? You get Randy Savage for Batista. Who do you? Who's uh, a '90s wrestler you bring? Well, I mean, the 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 question would be Hogan, but I would not cast Hulk Hogan <laughs> in that role. But here's the thing: doing like we've got this 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 new like generation of, and and I mean everyone knows like wrestling is acting, and we've got this new yeah. generation of these wrestlers who are given this opportunity to act. So like, do we really know if someone had tapped? hulk hogan for something like this do we know that he wouldn't have done well <laughs> oh i i do i don't know i don't, I don't know man. i don't see this is a whole different thing but i i may, maybe but i don't know if i see hogan playing a dramatic character hogan always would has, you have seen dave batista playing a dramatic character? that's fair that's a fair point but but batista there's see there's this is a whole wrestling conversation i won't go too, <laughs> i won't go too deep batista was never the uh we never reached the heights of hulk hogan like hulk hogan as a wrestler is on mount rushmore of like the importance in wrestling industry in terms of wrestlers he's up there batista is like he's like he's great for this one specific period he was a transcendent person um like a stone cold or a rock i'm sorry for those who don't know wrestling stone cold or a rock or hogan or rick flair like those people are like on that pantheon batista is just like man he was a really good wrestler for like this like five to seven year period hogan was like i wrestled for th- three decades so what you're saying is we should have gone to like some of the more the smaller wrestlers of the 90s might have yeah. had something to, sh- to give us and we just didn't give him the shot like i mean i mean the person is i'm not saying cast him at all but i'm saying if you're looking at like an athlete who was in movies at the time it's like Shaq. that's who you like that's that was the <laughs> that's the guy who's gonna put Shaq in that role let's see what happens oh man. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i'm not saying just because do I, that just because i said i like Shaq in 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 um, blue chips in, blue chips doesn't mean i want him in blade but see, runner but but also this i think shack is also i did not expect this conversation to happen today people um i think shack is also a too big of a personality for that role i don't know if he could capture that nuance maybe i'm wrong the point i'm trying to make is i felt all of these things about dave batista going into this movie that's fair prove me wrong that's true i mean maybe maybe in, a, in an alternate universe Shaq is like a a a wonderful character actor in movies nowadays and not owning a bunch of Papa John's and Five Guys burgers. Like hey, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and Ho- well Hogan and Hogan was like doing like movies like Santa with Muscles and Secret Agent Club. Like he I, I would not cast I mean man, you know, I mean again, I think he'd be too big a person, but like I mean an older like Arnold Schwarzenegger maybe in that role for a brief time but i think he's too big of a guy too for that anyway <laughs> does this film what does this film fit with any other genres besides sequels uh, i mean i think it, it still is a kind of a detective film it's just not as hard like noir as the original but yeah i think it's a, it's a sci-fi film i mean that's that's something that you've got to imagine that the studio was really hoping for was that this was sellable as an independent sci-fi film yeah. Um, the issue is just that there's too many questions and too many ties to the first one to really pull that off. Yeah. Here's another question. Uh, cause Blade Runner or Scott wants to do more sequels to this movie. 
how do you how do you do that uh i mean i guess it does it does set up that the idea of the resistance like Mackenzie yeah. davis you could even follow a little bit more i mean they, yeah. they set up the the, the orphanage uh yeah. area like they're they're the world is still they haven't tied the world up at all yeah. and that's that's ridley scott's thing is he's he's a he's a big big world guy um and, which is and, why and, and, and denia and said the same thing he would like to do a movie he would, he has said i would like to do a movie that's not connected to it like to those movies but in the same world yeah yeah i mean more you know give, yeah give me and, and you brought you talked about it with the original like give me a replicant revolution from the viewpoint of the replicants yeah and and it i think it would be compelling and then you have a detective who's trying to chase them down and kill them and that's like your bad guy uh yeah I, i'd be down with that um and then how does this film fit in the sequel stories yeah well it's one that you know the studio probably shouldn't have made but we're glad that they did <laughs> like i'm glad it exists i'm glad I've, I've seen it yeah um but it doesn't really make as we've discussed many times it, it never made financial sense and i'm still a little baffled that it happened um, on this scale of how it happened that's my thing yeah, but from a story point of view, I think it is it, it's it's one of the good ones. It yeah. continues everything. It makes it, it blazes a new trail. It has new lessons. It has new questions, new themes. But while keeping with the characters and the themes and the images that we loved from the first one. Yeah. And that's that's the best you can ask for with this, a sequel, I think. Yeah, this is one of those rare films because usually if a movie, if it's a big, huge like box office blunder majority of the time the movie's just not good and mm. you're like oh i can see why it failed but this is one where you're like uh like i can see why it failed because it was such a it was so different than any other studio film it wasn't a marvel it wasn't a star wars and i think the marketing team and the studios expect it to be as we've said before and they should have came at a different approach and maybe it would have been successful I think may I think the home video market kind of showed that there was some sort of audience there. They just didn't know how to get there. I think that's it. I think that's all I gotta say about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. That's that's it. Yeah, that's I'm a lot of it. I'm we sorry. got a lot to say. But... I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you guys hadn't watched the movie and we spoiled everything for you. Probably uh, shouldn't have just just shouldn't yeah. have listened to the episode. Yeah. So gotta be honest. Hour and a half in. I mean, I mean, if we're if I mean, you still have an hour left of the movie if you want to. It's a two hour and forty five <laughs> minute movie. Finally, for once, we we made a, a an episode that was shorter than the movie we were talking about. It's great. Uh, and speaking of that, I don't know where our next episode's going to be. Um, we were supposed. I mean, if we want to keep this trend going, we could do the two towers, the director's cut, and we we can definitely <laughs> slide in under the runtime. Uh, oh, that'd be great. We'll think. Of, I'll think about that. I'm trying to think about the next episode. There's some scheduling stuff with the the person who's supposed to come on do Beverly Hills Cop two. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen. So it'll probably be something else. We'll see who's going to be on. If it's going to be Thomas, depending on Thomas's schedule and all of our schedules, we'll figure it out. Um, but after that, we're doing James Cameron is our episode in the month on director. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you guys subscribe to the nation podcast on our podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you give us a rating and review. One of our recent ones was from a, a, a listener on Stitcher. It's a great conversational show about cinema, catching up on the show about cinema. Now it's on Stitcher here, real transformation from earlier episodes to the most recent. I like the film topics and themes they discuss. Hope to hear more from them in the future. Uh, five stars. So guys, please, if you can, 
go go give us a review or a rating. We'd like to hear what you guys think about the show and kind of how we're developing. It also helps people find us. Um, make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our articles on Medium. And I, I think that's it. Thomas, as always, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye.